A few decades ago, it was pretty common for homes to be built like this one, with large front porches and swings and rocking chairs. And when, when homes were designed like this, what would happen is a lot of times in the afternoons or evenings, people would get off work and they would come and just hang out here. And then when other neighbors were, were driving by or walking by, there would be natural connections. People would share a glass of sweet tea. They'd talk about the news and the weather and things going on in the world and their lives. It was a place for unplanned and unrushed relationships with others. And one writer uh, writing about front porches said, the American front porch really represented the ideal of community in America. For the front porch existed as a zone between the public and the private, an area that was shared between the home and the community outside. It was an area where, where interactions would take place, where relationships would be built. But if you've noticed something, uh, as you've driven around and seen all the new neighborhoods being built in our community, you've noticed that there's actually a shifting trend in home building. And really over the last number of decades, homes are rarely built with front porches now. They're rarely designed to be facing outwards and connecting people with their neighbors and with the community. Instead, homes are by and large designed for privacy and so that families can have seclusion. And this trend, I mean, it's, it's not an isolated trend. It's really part of a much bigger trend in our culture. Because, I mean, for a long time, we were, we were laughing on neighbors' front porches. But now, if you're like me, you know, somebody texts you a meme and you laugh at it by yourself while you're in bed. We are a culture in which we used to be connected with our literal neighbors, people around us. But now, we're really connected with people all around the globe. We are a culture in which when we have time off, we'd, we'd probably quite honestly rather watch Netflix on our couch in the dark than, than go out to another social event or spend time with friends, which is why George Gallup Jr., the great pollster, once said this, Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. And if you think about it, I mean, we are acquainted with more people than ever, but most of us are known by very few. We are digitally connected pretty much all the time now, but a lot of times we're relationally distant from other people. We fill our lives with Netflix and news and social media and television. And a lot of times I think that's because we're, we're trying to, to cover up or fill something that's missing. And I think what's missing in many of our lives is community. Well, last week we kicked off a new sermon series called Where Do We Go From Here? in which we're looking at the three key directions that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to move in if we're going to become the people He created us to be. And these are directions we need to move in if we want to not just survive the season that we're in, but also thrive in this season and in the future. And so last week we began by talking about how the first direction we need to move in is we need to live and love upward. Because God desires an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. And this week I want to talk with you about the second direction 
we need to move in. And that is the direction inward. God is calling you and me as followers of Jesus Christ to move inward towards other people, towards community, particularly community with other followers of Jesus Christ. And now you might be wondering why we're called to move in that direction. And I think one of the key reasons why we're called to move inward towards cultivating community is because if you look at how we were created and designed by God, we were actually created for community. In Genesis, we find that we were created in God's image. And as Christians, we believe that God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons with one essence. And so for all time, God has existed in relationship, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in community together. And so as people made in His image, we were designed to live in community as well. And so it's not surprising then when we look in Genesis that after God created Adam, He he said, look, it's not good that Adam should be alone. And then when you look at God's kind of design for the world and how God has moved throughout Scripture and throughout the Bible, when we look at the big story of Scripture, what we find is that whenever God has a goal, God creates a community. And so in the Old Testament, God created the nation of Israel, who was a light to the nations. And then when Jesus stepped on the scene, he didn't do ministry all alone. Instead, he gathered followers around him. He formed a community. And then when he ascended into heaven, he he didn't say, uh, you know what? Hey, guys, now go do your own thing. Go sit on a dock somewhere by yourself or go just hang out on a golf course all alone and pray to me. No, no, he formed a community, the church, which is called to continue the mission and ministry of Jesus even today. And I think this is one of the reasons why, I mean, if you reflect on the season that we've been in lately, it's one of the reasons why it's been so hard. It's been so hard because quarantining, social isolation, social distancing, not being able to be in flesh and blood relationships with other people, it goes against who God created us to be. And I'm grateful for technology that helps connect us in this way. I'm grateful for phone calls. I'm grateful for text messages. But they can't replace the way that we were designed because we weren't created to do life alone. We were created for community with other people. And and David, reflecting on this, this, this huge idea, writes one of my favorite psalms throughout the entirety of Scripture. And that is Psalm 133. And here's what what David writes. He says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forever." more. In Genesis 2, we find it's not good for man to be alone, but here we find it is good when God's people are together 
in community because we were created for community. We were created to move inward toward others. But we need to move inward towards other people, not only because we were created for community, but also because we change in community. If you think about community, one way to think about it is that it is like a workshop in which God is able to shape us into the people He wants us to be. And Jesus knew this. And so when He began His public ministry, He he didn't do it on His own. He gathered together people time and time again. In Luke, we see that He gathered together 72 and then He sent them out into ministry. And He didn't send them out alone. He sent them out in pairs. And then in Luke chapter 6, which we looked at last week, we find that after Jesus moved upward, He moved inward as well. And He called and gathered the twelve. Luke chapter 6 verse 12, we read this, that one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And He spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, He called His disciples to Him and chose twelve of them, whom He also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And as you know, these twelve are the people that Jesus spent the most time with, teaching them, loving them, modeling life for them. They encouraged one another. They had fun together. And then even below the twelve, you had an inner circle of three. You have Peter, James, and John. So Jesus was gathering together people in community at all different sizes and all different levels. And it was in the midst of this community that these people's lives began to change. They began to learn what truth was. They began to see their blind spots. They began to have their character revealed and refined. They were encouraged. They were challenged. Over time, as this group of people followed Jesus together, they became more and more like Him. And this is how God works in our lives as well. So often, the change that He wants in our lives comes through relationships with other people. And this isn't that surprising, since if you think about learning Spanish or losing weight or uh, sobering up or, you know, running a marathon. I mean, how do most people successfully do these things? They do it through community, through relationships with other people. Because when we find other people who are pursuing the same goals that we do, we're able to go further and faster. And this has been true in pretty much every season of my life. In pretty much every season. I mean, as a pastor, I've said this before, and sometimes I kind of sheepishly admit this, but if you were to ask me what five sermons had the greatest impact in my life, honestly, I'd be hard-pressed to to give you five of them. Uh, If you ask me what the last five sermons I preached was, I might have a hard time writing down exactly what those last five were. But if if you said, Jonathan, how have you changed and grown the most as a Christian, my answer every time would be the other people around me. People like my friend Daniel. I knew Daniel in seminary and 
when I was questioning a call to ministry and whether God had gifted me, Daniel was able to see gifts in me that I couldn't see myself. Or my friend Bubba. Bubba is someone who constantly challenges me to see my own blind spots and he encourages me gently to become a more gentle and loving person. Or I think back to last fall when I had my alpha small group and and there Bryant helped remind me again of the power of God to change people. Or someone who's probably watching today, Marlene. Marlene is such an encourager and she'll send me a text here and there. And that's been a huge blessing in this season to keep me going. And so when I look at my life and and how is God shaping me into the person he wants me to become, pretty much every time I would give the same answer. And it is the people around me. And my guess is that it would be the same answer in your own life. If you think about how you've grown the most, you probably won't think back to a single sermon. Instead, you'll probably picture a person. A person who walked with you through a difficult time. A person who spoke truth and love to you. A person who genuinely loves you and who you love as well. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I mean, uh, here the writer sums up the, the beauty and the power of moving inward well. And while this is a passage that's oftentimes read at weddings, it's not really originally about marriage, but instead it was about God's people living together. And so here's what we read, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We were created for community. We change in community. We're sustained in community. And the final thing I want to share with you this morning is that we need to love and live inward because the quality of our community has the ability to make a huge impact in our world. When Jesus knew that his death was near, he sat down his disciples and gave them some final words that were extremely important. And in the midst of that conversation, some of the most important words I think he gave them come to us in John chapter 13, where he says this, beginning in verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this. Jesus says, not not by your social media posts, not by your your bank account, not by the size of your church building, not by whether you're back to in-person worship or whether you're still worshiping online, not by how you vote, not by any of those things. He says, by this, by your love for one another, people will know that you are my disciples. These were some of Jesus' final words to his 12 followers and their words for us to remember today as well. He's telling us that the quality of our relationships together as we move inward 
have a huge impact on those around us. And one pastor wrote this. He said, it's as if Jesus is saying that unbelievers are just waiting to believe. But the question is, will they see us relating in a magnetic, irresistible, and loving way? And so this week, after you move upward, cultivating your relationship with God, I want you to think about how you can move inward. Inward, loving and living in community with other people. And I know in this season it's more difficult and we have to be more creative. And and maybe it is a phone call, maybe it is a text instead of a hug. But whatever you have to do to cultivate community, I'll tell you, it's worth it. It is worth it because this is what we were made for. So let's go to God in prayer and ask Him to make us one and draw us inward together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your love and for Your Son, Jesus. We thank You that You haven't left us alone in the world, but that You have drawn us together as the body of Christ. And we pray as the body of Christ that that You would draw us closer together God, we pray that you would make us one, that you would fill us with love for one another and that our loving relationships, that those might change us, they might be a witness to the world. And we ask that through those relationships, you would fill us with joy, peace, love, goodness, and your mercy. And we ask all of these things this day. In the name of Jesus, your son, amen.